today the sermon is about the wisdom of humility. And I want to introduce a friend who's going to be actually preaching today. I'm not preaching today. I've, I'm having a friend uh, come and preach on humility. I, um, I couldn't imagine having someone uh, better than uh, this friend. His name's Randy Deal. And uh, he's going to be preaching on humility. He goes by Randy Big Deal. And so I thought that would be a really, uh, really great. Um, Randy, where are you? You want to come on out for a second? Uh, this is my friend Randy. And uh, if you guys give him a hand, a whitewater, hello. And um, before I let, have you get going, uh, Randy, just so you know, has, has been, had a, a major impact on our church. I mean, you guys probably don't know this, but um, Scott and I and, and the pastors are all encouraged to have mentors. And Randy has been a mentor for Pastor Scott, our executive pastor, for like over seven years. Um, Randy is a guy, he lives down in Arizona. He's part of a church planting movement. He pastors, pastors, he pastors churches, and he helps churches get planted and started all, all over the place. And so he's had a big hand in Whitewater actually happened. Give him a hand again. We appreciate you. We love you. And um, he's, a, he's a godly God. I'm so grateful that he's preaching, uh, especially on humility. Um, Randy's a lifelong learner, and so this is, this is something that is, he lives. And so I hope you guys enjoy this sermon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. It's actually Randy, no big deal. But anyway, um, so good morning, Whitewater. Morning. It finally warmed up in here. So it was great coming from sunny Arizona, 70s and 80s, to your... Cloudy, overcast, drizzly, rainy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, glad to be here. Humbled to be here. Known uh, Scott and George, uh, yeah, for five or six years. It's been, it's been awesome to watch what God has done uh, from a distance. Been up here a couple of times over the years. But so anyway, just glad to be with you this morning. So we're going to wrap up this series uh, uh, wisdom and where to find it. And so I just want to review real quick where we've been in the series first. And, and if you've missed any of this, these weeks, I encourage you go on the app and, and catch up and watch those first three or go online uh, to whitewaterchurch.org and catch up on those. Uh, week one, uh, Pastor George t- talked to us about the wisdom in community and, and that, you know, don't do 2018 alone. And how we're, we're, we're built and we're wired and we're called to live in community and how relationships make life better. In fact, he said that relationships are the currency in the kingdom of God. It's a powerful truth there. And so I, my prayer is that all of you now have joined a group or you're in a community group or you're staying in your group or you might be moving groups or anything like that. Or maybe you're going to host a group. But uh, my encouragement to you to don't do this year alone. Don't do any year alone. Right. But so get the wisdom in community. Week two, um, he talked to us about wisdom with technology. Boy, that was convicting. Anybody else with me on that one? Yeah. As I'm preaching from my iPad. Um, And how wisdom is not knowledge, but it's the art of godly living and how wisdom takes us from information to transformation in our lives. And and uh, he talked about the lion in that parable. And, you know, don't let the lion eat your whole life. Don't let the lion eat your relationships. Don't let it eat your mind. Don't let it take your whole heart. And then last week, uh, George talked to us about the wisdom of contentment. And shared with us those symptoms of discontentment in our lives. And that the antidote was things like, enjoy what God provides. Stop comparing ourselves to other people. Uh, Don't hold on to what you cannot keep. He encouraged us with 
to have a holy discontentment, though, that would lead us toward eternity and that Jesus was our only contentment. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about humility. And so a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, we had the privilege of marrying off the third of our adult children now. So we have five children, all adults. Uh, This is the third one to get married. Uh, We are happy empty nesters. Thank you, Jesus. Right? And so uh, married off our son, Jared, to his bride, Brianna. Um, I had the privilege of even officiating the ceremony. Like I got to give my son, his bride. And, and it was, you know, you know when weddings come along and, and, and we live in, you know, we went to Arizona uh, 17 years ago to plant churches, but all of our families in California. And so everybody flew in and my parents were there and aunts. And, so it's kind of like a family reunion too, you know, kind of thing. And the weather was perfect in January in Arizona. It was in, the, you know, it was like 80 degrees, a little outside ceremony. It was perfect. I have a couple of pictures of, yeah, there I am. Marrying them. And then there's a little family. There's the fam. Yeah, we got four grandbabies. Number five's on the way in May. Um, that's the stage of life we're in. We're loving it. And so, but, you know, and um, walking in and checking out the venue, though, the reception ahead of time, I walk in there and it's like, there are 30 tables in here, 10 chairs each. Like, this is a big wedding, 300 people. And so, but then there's, you know, there's that head table. Right. I know some couples today are doing a little sweetheart table, just the two of you and everybody else kind of sits wherever. But they did the full the 18 people in their bridal party. I got a, it took a pano shot. <laughs> I had to do pano on my iPhone to get the whole table in there. And that didn't even include the, the ring bearer, which was my grandson and, and three flower girls, you know, my, two of my granddaughters and one of uh, Brianna's nieces and all that. But, you know, and then after the ceremony and people are coming to the reception, there's always that. Stuff that goes on. Of, where do I sit? Right, you know what I'm talking about? Everybody wants to sit up close, you know, and, and have those places. Like it, nobody said it. They didn't do reserved seating. There were no names on the placemats. There were a couple of reserved signs on the table, the round tables up front by the head table, which is supposed to be for family. But there was non-family sitting up there. I'm like, I paid for No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Right, but there's that thing that happens, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a person of honor. I'm supposed to be able to sit up, you know. And well, Jesus teaches us about humility in a parable. We've this whole series have been about parables and proverbs in Luke chapter 14. It's called the parable of the wedding feast. And so, if you have your Bible or you have a Bible app on your phone and you want to go to Luke chapter 14, I'm going to read to you from verses 7 to 11. The parable of the wedding feast, Luke 14, 7 to 11. It'll be on the screen as well. Jesus says, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, verse 10, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you, verse 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. 
and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So in Jesus' time, the guests at a formal dinner, what they did is they, they, they had these couches, and there would be like the head couch, and then they would have trailing couches like this in a U-shape. And if you were the honored person, if you were the invited person or the special person of the event, you sat at that first couch. And then every position down the U-shape of the couches meant something, right? And so, so the head of the table was the couch at the, at the, at the front, and this trailing couches in the place uh, forming like a U. And so the, the nearer you were in your, in your seat to the head, the more special you were and the more honored you were. But here's what happened. If you were sitting in a place and a more honored guest showed up, guess what? Jesus said, uh, yeah, you need to go over here. And this person is sitting like you got displaced. Right. And so, I mean, that didn't happen at our wedding, thankfully. But <laughs> but for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And then again, later in Luke, go with me to chapter 18. Uh, Verses 9 through 14, he again teaches us about humility in another parable. It's called the Pharisee and the tax collector. And if you know, and just real quick, you know, Pharisees in the Bible, those were the those were the the pious religious people that prayed in public and knew all this stuff and were super religious, but really didn't have much of a relationship with God. Right. And the tax collectors. Well, we feel the same about them today, don't we? (laughs) Right. Everyone, you're all getting your forms right now, right in the file for 2017. Right. And all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you know about the tax collector. Well, Jesus says this. He says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He says in verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Hmm. Verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And Jesus says again, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So what exactly is humility? What is humility? Uh, One, uh, uh, I have found, I guess, in my life that humility is way more easily to recognize than to define sometimes. Humility may be defined as a lack of vanity or a lack of sense of self-importance, right? That definition could apply to anybody, believer, non-believer. But when we go to the word of God, when we go to the Bible, it becomes way more obvious that humility isn't just about not being prideful. It's something so much deeper. It's not just about, you know, eating some humble pie. In fact, I got a little meme there for you, right? (laughs) And we're going to see here in the scriptures this morning that there's this word meek. Sometimes it is is translated in your version of the Bible as humble or humility. It has a very interesting background. It was used for a person who was teachable, 
They were coachable. They were teachable. In fact, there was a letter found once, a letter written by this Greek woman. Um, She was writing this letter to her husband who was serving in the army of Alexander the Great. And the wife wrote, quote, the horse you captured is now meek and our daughter can ride him. And see, so what he was saying is the horse had not been rendered weak. It had been broken, right? It was, a, it was as powerful as ever, but now that power had been harnessed. It was brought under control. Now, for you and I, for, for the humble Christian who has first been empowered by the Holy Spirit and then voluntarily submitting ourselves under the control of the Holy Spirit... Right. Scripture says Jesus himself humbled himself and became obedient to the father. Scripture says humility and obedience are inseparable. There's this other story like in the land of Persia, once ruled by a wise and beloved Shah. And he 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 cared greatly for his people and he desired to only do what was best for them. And so one one day this Shah, he disguised himself as a poor man and he went to visit the public baths. Now, the water from these baths was heated by a furnace uh, down in the cellar. And so the Shah made his way down to this really dark place. And he sat with the man who tendered the fire to warm the waters of these public baths. These two men shared this horrible food together. And the Shah befriended him in his loneliness. And as the story goes, day after day, the, the ruler, the Shah, he went to visit this man. And pretty soon the worker became attached to this stranger because he... He said he came where he was. And one day the Shah revealed his true identity. And he expected the man to ask him for gifts or, or, or lavish things upon him. But instead, this, this man, he looked long into the Shah's face and with love and with wonder in his voice, it says, you left your palace and your glory to sit with me in this dark place to eat coarse food, and to care about what happens to me. He said, on others you may bestow rich gifts, but to me you have given yourself. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. We can echo that fire tenders sentiments, right? From heaven to earth, from the worship of angels to the mocking of cruel men, from glory to humiliation. And so in this I think we find a better definition of humility. Here it is, basic. Humility is a willingness to give yourself to others. Humility, if you're following along in your notes, humility is a willingness to give yourself to others. And so here's what the Bible teaches about humility. I find four um, basic truths here in Scripture about humility. Old Testament, and we've been looking and holy and powerful and guess what we are not (laughs) my own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day right humility precedes wisdom number two humility is honored humility is honorable proverbs 334 says toward the scorners he is scornful but to the humble he gives favor Proverbs 16, verses 18 to 19 say, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It says, It is better to be a lowly spirit with the poor man than to divide the spoil with the proud. Proverbs 29, 23, One's pride will bring him low, 
but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. There's a big difference between pride and humility. I got a screenshot up here for you. Pride focuses on others' failures. Pride is is self-righteous and and overly critical and fault-finding. Pride looks at the life, their own life through a telescope, but the others around them through a microscope. Some of you have those kind of people in your lives. Pride looks down on those who aren't as spiritual or committed as they are. Pride thinks they know who is truly proud and truly humble. Pride thinks everyone is privileged to have them involved. But here's humility. Humility realizes how far they fall short and have overwhelming sense of their need to grow. Humility is compassionate and forgiving. Humility looks for the best in others. Humility seeks to win people, not arguments. Humility realizes only God knows a person's true motive. Humility leaves the judgment of the heart in God's hands. Humility thinks they don't deserve the opportunities that God gives them. Heard a pastor yesterday on on a video say, when you let pride in, you already let it win. When you let pride in, you already let it win. There's an old French philosopher who said, on the highest throne in the world, we still sit only on our own butt. Uh, John R.W. Stott, this is a man who had... Probably the greatest impact in the whole 20th century for the kingdom of God. He said, pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. Pride is something we all struggle with, don't we? It's, it's a universal problem. We all suffer from it to some degree. We have exalted ourselves in pride, though. God does not want to punish us and slap us around, bring us low. But he wants to forgive and restore us. As we've seen in scripture, he says again and again, humble yourselves and I, God, will exalt you. That's what gives us hope and encouragement. God takes great pleasure in our efforts to humble ourselves. And he loves to bless and exalt the humble. Uh, Last week in in the technology sermon, uh, uh, George mentioned memes and things like that, you know, in this digital age. Well, I had to show you some today, like like this one. Um, Yeah. I take great pride in my humility, right? Or this one, I forget other people have limitations. It's so sad. Right? Tell me about your humility. You must be so humble, right? And my name is Deal, so I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal, right? Humility is a funny thing. Once you realize you have it, you lose it. Mm. Hey, look at me. I'm the most humble guy here, right? So number one, humility precedes wisdom. Number two, humility is honored. And number three, humility is required by God. He requires it. Isaiah 62 says, all these things my hand has made. And so all these things come to be, declares the Lord. But this, this is the one to whom I will. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God 
God requires it. It's not a suggestion. God doesn't say, I think you should be more humble. Right? He requires it. Humility precedes wisdom. It's honored. It's required by God. And lastly, number four, it's demanded by Jesus. It's demanded by Jesus. In the great sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter, in, 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 the, in the book of Matthew in the New Testament, Matthew 5, 5, he says, blessed are the meek. There's that word again, meek, uh, for they shall inherit the earth. And know that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Humility does not come, doesn't make somebody a doormat. There's great power in humility. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us the well-known parable, another parable here about the wise and the foolish builders. Some of you know this story. He tells us that the wise man who built his house on the rock represents the one who, who hears these words of mine and acts on them in Matthew 7, 24. But the foolish man who built his house on the what? On the sand. He represents the one who hears these words of mine and does not act on them. So wisdom then is to hear the words of Jesus and put them into practice. The greatest example to us in all of human history of a humble person would be that of Jesus Christ. By the very act of of leaving heaven and coming to earth and taking the form of man, he demonstrates this unfathomable humbling of himself. We read in story after story in scripture throughout his whole life on earth, he demonstrates this profound humility. He himself said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. On the last day uh, with his night with his disciples before he went to the cross, what did he do? He took a towel and a basin and he washed their dirty feet. Right? Teaching them to, to be servants to one another. It's probably what the Apostle Paul was thinking about, that very scene in the upper room when he wrote to the death, Paul writes. Even death on a cross. He says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's in Jesus we have the example of all examples. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Our job is to work on humbling ourselves and we leave God's job up to the exalting of us. You know, why is this so important? Why is this so important in our everyday lives? Because we've, we've read here in Scripture that God rejects the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He, pride invites the wrath of God. Pride is operating in defiance of God. Humility is a key to fellowship with God. You cannot walk with God in pride. Humility is a key in, in our prayer life. If you're not humble, you're not really praying. It's, a, it's, it's key to our worship. It's essential in our family serve him in pride. We need to humble ourselves before God, submitting to the the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to ask God for forgiveness and and, and ask for restoration. It's a a decision. It's a thing we got to take action on. When you walk out of here today, you got to decide, I'm going to do this. 
I think James shows us very clearly in James chapter 3, as I close this up, here's the how. James chapter 3, starting in verse 13, all the way through 4, 10. James says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Again, meekness is not weakness. It's that powerful bridled control. He says in verse 14, but if you have, who, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. He says, this is not wisdom that comes from above. Listen to this. It is earthly, it is unspiritual, and it is demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Isn't that the world we live in today? Worldly wisdom is selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed. He goes on, verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, and then peaceable, and then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Worldly wisdom is not going to produce peace. Hasn't worked so far in our world, has it? In order to have true peace, we have to develop a genuine concern for the well-being of others. If you hear anything today, hear this. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about others. That's why week one community was so important. If you're not in a group, get in a group. He goes on, chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? He says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. He says, you do not have because you do not ask, and you, do, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Because a humble, a humble person is going to go after the desires that God wants for you, not your own. Verse four, you adulterous people, exclamation point. Do, not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, and he quotes Proverbs right here, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That's godly wisdom. It starts with humility. We can't do it on our own, right? God is God, and I am not. Say it with me. 
God is God, and I am not. One more time, so make sure you got it. God is God, and I am not. Right? There's one throne in our lives, and only God belongs on it. And if this is something you're struggling with, get off the throne. Ask God to forgive you for sitting in his chair. Confess your pride. Apologize. And then accept his unforgettable love and acceptance and restoration. Take your place in humility before him and ask him to guide you in your daily life. C.S. Lewis said it best. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's a decision. It's a journey. It's not going to happen in the next hour or later today or by next week, but it's a decision. It's something we've got to take action with. Humility truly is our greatest friend. It increases our hunger for God. It draws us closer to God. It opens up our heart to the leading of his spirit. It leads to intimacy with God imparts what scripture calls the aroma of Christ with everybody around us. And it's a sign of the greatness of the kingdom of God. And let me just end with this. I've said end how many times? Like four times? Is the band behind me already? Uh, yeah. Oh, they're not even there yet. Okay. Oh, they're looking at me right there. Listen. We got to forsake our pride and, and humble ourselves. And it's a daily, deliberate choice. That's how humility will grow in our souls. And I got to tell you, in this narcissistic world we live in, it's our greatest evangelistic tool is the humility we show in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this series on wisdom. God, I pray that it is, is changing our lives in permanent ways, God, here at Whitewater and in our community. Lord, if there's anybody in the room that is struggling with this thing called pride, God, I pray that this truth would sink deeply into their hearts and their minds. And, and God, we would all leave here with cho- a decision to make and choices to make every day, God, as we submit to your Holy Spirit in our lives. But God, if there's anybody sitting in this room who does not know you, they have not even started a relationship with you, Lord. They don't even know why they're sitting here. But they got invited or they found themselves here. God, I pray right now in the quietness of their heart, they could pray a prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I have been a prideful person. Humble me, God. Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender to you. Please come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I believe you died on a cross for my sin, and I believe you rose again on the third day, and I believe that you are alive today. I give you myself. I humble myself before you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.